0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the one Friday edition of The Yard. It is a game day, Friday. Hope it's a payday for you, too. Make it doubly, doubly blood, doubly good for you. How about that? Man, so much to talk about. Some good news to talk about, as you guys are well aware. Is, uh, since we have been together, Governor Tate Reeves has lifted... Most of the restrictions in the state of Mississippi and uh, the one that means the most to us as college baseball fans is about the outdoor venue capacity restrictions. Now, originally we thought we would go from 25% to 50%. However, those restrictions have been lifted and it's now been put back on the universities to decide we won't beat 100% this weekend. And I know that's a rub for some of you. Some people are saying, I don't understand. Listen, here's the deal. We were at 25. We expected to get to 50. Now we're going to be close to some, what, 80 or so in a week. And so let's not look a gift horse in the mouth here. Listen, I'm not going to get political with you guys. It didn't really matter to me. You know, who gets credit for this and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you listen, your administration at Mississippi State's done a great job, and I've read probably, I don't know, 25, 30 posts over on Gene's uh, page from people that uh, have not only have ordered their tickets, but now have their tickets and their parking passes. And that's a really quick turnaround. I sent a text message to our friend Mike Ritchie. I love Mike Ritchie. I really do. Mike's always a happy-go-lucky guy, but I tell you, this is a guy whose group has been under the gun here the last forty-eight hours. And man, I tell you what, what a bunch of gamers And that Mississippi State ticket office, man, I tell you what, those people have worked exceptionally hard. I, I had friends of mine texting me as as late as nine o'clock, saying they just got their tickets, just got their email. And listen, nobody's going to go, you know, nobody's going to pull Mike aside later and say, "Hey, Mike, hey, thanks," but you know what, you should. And, you know, and maybe it shouldn't be a phone call. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an email. You know, and we get so up in our feelings about things when something negative happens to us, right? So let's be kind of even-handed in that deal, and let's maybe send some emails and thank those people that have worked tirelessly to bring this thing together to enable more Bulldog fans to come out and enjoy baseball at Mississippi State this weekend. I'll be honest with you, I I knew there was a plan in place. I talked to people and said, hey, you know what, we've got some contingencies in place. If we go to 50, we've got uh, some plans in place. Should we go bigger than that? I don't know that anybody fully expected us to go to no limitations on, uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it was. It all runs together after a while. I don't know that anybody fully appreciated that. But the fact that, that our ticket office people have been able to kind of pivot here and do this for you. Because, you know, it had been really, really easy for your athletic department to say, you know what, hey, we don't know if we can pull it off in time for this weekend. We'll see you guys next weekend. They could have done that. They could have said, you know what, we've got to reseat the whole thing and it's going to be impossible to do. It's a short time. And as, and as frustrating as that would have been, you kind of would have understood it a little bit. But that wasn't good enough for Mississippi State. wasn't good enough for John Cohen. It wasn't good enough for Dr. Mark Keenum. It wasn't good enough for Mike Ritchie and his group. They have worked hard to make this thing happen. And it has been uh, easy to be critical at times. But I think now it's one of those days we look at and say, you know what, we got some people working really hard for us. we got a lot of people that worked hard to make sure that Mississippi State fans could be at Dirty Noble Field this weekend. I understand that uh, you know we had uh, you know what was it twenty four hundred or something tickets sold. Yeah, you know, I don't know the full number, but somewhere around twenty four, twenty five hundred tickets sold, and then hundreds of those tickets didn't get used. And many of you who wanted to be at the ball game were unable to get there. And you would have said, you know what, I I just want to be in the stadium. I don't even care. I love being at Duty Noble Field. I do. There is probably nowhere else I'd rather be than Duty Noble Field. It is something that I never take for granted. You know, when I was a kid, we'd come up here and go to a ball game, which is, you know, it was, it was rare. It really was. More times than not, we'd go see Mississippi State play at Southern Miss. We'd see him play in Jackson. But it was such a treat to get up here. Many of my best memories of my childhood are coming to Mississippi State with my dad. And I know your children probably share that. Many of you probably have the same experience I do. And I'm so grateful. I'm so incredibly grateful to Mike Ritchie and his group, for pulling this thing together, and uh, I've had so many people that have said, "You know what, you know, Steve, I never expected it to happen this quickly, but it has, and I'm so incredibly impressed." And so it's great for me to hear that, but I think it'd be nice for Mike Ritchie and his group, or John Cole and those people, to say, "You know what, hey, John, Mike, Dr. Keenum, thanks, thank you, thanks for working late on Wednesday and Thursday night." to ensure that we could make this thing happen. Many of you have said, you know what, I got my email and I ordered my tickets and uh, I didn't know right away what was going to happen. I figured you know, I wouldn't find out until late. And the next thing you know, I get a text message and say, you know what, Steve, I just got them. I just got them. And so I'm excited for all of you and I'm excited for all of us. I'm excited for our baseball team that they're going to get a chance to play in front of more of the best fans in all of college baseball. And we're going to kind of congregate again, really, for the first time in a long time as a family. And we're going to go cheer for our team. And listen, last weekend was great. If you saw the videos, I mean, the people that were there were very much into the game. And granted, they had some things to be excited about with two walk-offs in the ninth innings on Saturday and Sunday. But I can only begin to imagine how ferocious the roars will be this weekend. And listen, listen, we're not going to be at 10,000. Okay, there are going to be some people that say, you know what, hey, Steve, I'm not ready to go. You know, I want my tickets, but I'm not quite ready to go. There are going to be some people that say, you know what, we'd already decided we weren't going to be able to go this year, so maybe we didn't get our tickets this year. And there are going to be other people that say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get them, but I'm going to wait this thing out, let other people be the guinea pigs for a while, and that's cool too. That's perfectly fine. So, you know, I don't expect to have huge crowds this weekend. Maybe we get to 5,000. Maybe we do. But it's going to be better than it was last weekend. And again, my hat is off to those that came last weekend. That um, you know made it a cool thing. And so, the fact that we're going to have double our fans. Here is my challenge to all of you guys: Let's not sit on our hands, okay? Let's not sit there and just be spectators of the sport. Let's be participants in the home field advantage. And so, when a pitcher's getting rattled, let's get involved. When a dugout gets a little bit chatty, let's get involved. All right? This is our house, and we're going to get a chance to celebrate that with our team on the field and our family in the stands. And so let's make sure we go out there and do a good job. And so, again, I'm just so incredibly impressed, and I'm so incredibly happy that so many Bulldog fans that didn't think they were going to get a chance to see baseball this year are now getting that opportunity. And so, again, thank you to Governor Tate Reeves. Uh, Thank you to our administration at Mississippi State, and thank you to Mike Ritchie. I don't know if we can say that enough. I, I'm not one on, big on belaboring the point. But um, I have been so incredibly pleased to read these message board posts over on Gene's page. I've had so many people that have come out there and say, man, I, I got them. I got mine. And I, I, I celebrate with them. I went through and liked all those posts. Because I think it's just so important that, uh, you know, we're a baseball school, man. I mean, that's, that's who we are. We love football, too. We do. But we're a baseball school. We got a great baseball program, we got a great baseball team, we got a great baseball coach, we got a great baseball staff. It's one thing we can always poke our chest out about. It's like, you know what? You want to come get it, you know where to find it. Because we're not scared to play anybody anywhere. But when you know, when you come entangle with us in our backyard, you better bring your best effort, buddy. You better pack a lunch. It's going to be a long day at Duty Noble Field, and I'm ready to see how our team responds. And, of course, we're not playing Tennessee Tech this weekend. We're going to talk about that uh, after the uh, into the next segment. Uh, this next segment brought to you by our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I had a chance to speak with John Bean this week, and uh, John's such a great guy, man, I tell you. Uh, every time I talk to John, he always puts me in a better mood. No matter what I got going on, John always seems to have some positivity to share. John shared with me, I tell you that, they're really doing well and and that is a tribute to all of you guys you know last year was a difficult year for all of us but uh you know we've acclimated and so now with these new restrictions uh kind of lifted you know now restaurants can return with uh with no restrictions there's no curfew anymore they can go 100 percent uh and listen you know many of you again are gonna say you know what steve that's great but i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to go sit in a restaurant just yet i'll still get my orders to go and you can get that at eatwithus.com that's eatwithus.com go make your online order uh you know for harvey's or sweet peppers deli or bulldog burger the grill all those together it's a great family of restaurants you know you know who they are but bulldog burger i'm making some tweaks to the menu too i want to make you make you guys kind of aware of this because i know some of you guys uh you know your Bulldog Burger regulars, so and maybe you hadn't been, and uh, you, maybe you stick with what you know. But uh, a couple of new things that have gone to the onto the menu—they're running them as specials right now, but they're going to be regular menu items. That's a grilled chicken club sandwich. I can't wait to get my teeth into that one. Grilled chicken breast on Texas toast—I could stop right there, right? Anything on Texas toast is great. Am I wrong? I mean, you know, I'm you know I'm telling the truth. Grilled chicken breast on Texas toast with cheddar monterey jack mayo sassy sauce a fried green tomato and bacon and bib lettuce and tomato matter of fact my next order that's what i'm gonna get that grilled chicken club i'm excited about it you will be as well also tuna burger some of you folks that are uh, maybe a little more health conscious maybe this kind of lights your fire a little bit and i heat tuna seasoned with old bay sesame alloy bib lettuce tomato pickled red onion and fried wonton how cool does that sound And then there's a new one that's kind of cool, man. It's called Full of Bologna, and that's many of you. A six-ounce burger patty topped with fried bologna, cheddar, bacon, green tomato chow-chow, truffled mayo, crispy onions, and fried egg. That's quite a meal right there. A lot of protein in there, too. And so give that thing a shot, too. Again, new items, uh, go check them out. Again, the Grilled Chicken Club, the Tuna Burger, and now the Full of Bologna. I, I always appreciate... These creative names they come up with. So go check it out today. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. I told you guys last couple of shows I've been really tired. I'm not tired tonight. You know, I slept good uh night before last and uh you know some nights you just gotta turn the phone off, you know what I'm saying? And say, so, you know what? I don't have anywhere to be in the morning. I'm going to sleep as long as I want to. I didn't have any radio to deal with uh, on Wednesday morning. And so, or whatever morning it was. But anyway, I didn't have any radio to do. And so I just turned the phone off. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to sleep and wake up naturally and feel great about life. And it's so great when you can do that, right? I hate the alarm clock. I think I probably hate it more than most. I got some people in my family, they set an alarm clock and the the, the alarm goes off and they kind of hit the ground running and ready to go. Uh, I hate the alarm clock. I hate waking up that way. Sometimes it's necessary. But uh, I got a good night's rest in and uh, woke up uh, to all these text messages and said, hey, hey, we're not playing Tennessee Tech this weekend. Uh, they've had to cancel due to COVID. And some think, okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're actively looking for another opponent. And so I have slept through that in the morning hours. Uh, and I, I'm proud to say that I did. And so as I began to kind of get up to speed on that, a lot of discussion about Kent State. We've played Kent State before. We held a 2-0 record against the Golden Flashes, so it's not a long-standing rivalry by any stretch of the imagination. We've played a lot of other mid-American conference teams uh, more than we have uh, Kent State. And so I began to kind of chase the story and said, okay, what's going on? Where are we? And a lot of people say, well, you know, we believe it's going to happen. We're not sure yet. And so, you know, I, I'm just – I don't really apologize for who I am. I've got no reason to do so. But I got on the phone and I called Kent State. And I spoke to their uh, their SID up there and I said, hey, listen, I cover Mississippi State baseball for a living. I understand you guys are headed down here. Oh, yes, Steve, we are. Matter of fact, we're getting on a bus at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm sure you're working on a story. We're going to go meet and tell our team here at 2.30 our time, one thirty your time. Do you mind holding your story until then? because we'd love to be able to tell our kids ourselves, and be able to share that excitement with them that we're going down there to play Duty no- at Duty Noble Field. And so I agreed to do it. Got my confirmation quote, put a story together, began to do some research. And Kent State's a team that's uh, got a couple of pitchers, like in the top 200 uh, MLB prospects. I mean, so these are some guys that are going to bring it a little bit. And they're all, listen, they're going to start three right-handers, uh, which helps us consider, you know, how dominant our left-handed lineup can be. But how incredible it is that all this kind of comes to pass so quickly. And so on Thursday, I had a chance to speak to both John Cohen and Chris Lamonis about how it all kind of came together. Now, to hear John tell it, yeah, this was Chris. You know, Chris got on the phone and made some things happen. And uh, I got on the phone with Chris, and Chris is like, you know, I give a lot of credit to our administration for kind of backing us up here and helping us, thing, helping us pull this off. And let's be honest there may have been some other schools out there that wouldn't have taken the steps we did. Uh, Coach Amonis tells me that we went from knowing Tennessee Tech was out to having an agreement in place with Kent State in 45 minutes. And that John Cohen was kind of behind that too and saying, hey, let's get it done. Let's, Let's get the deal done. And as Chris says, listen, we want to play baseball here. At Mississippi State, we want to play baseball. We're committed to playing baseball. Our administration is committed to playing baseball. And uh, Kent State, those guys up there, uh, Lamonis and Fox Hall have relationships with that staff up there. And so, you know, they get on the phone and say, hey, listen, we'd love to get you down here. And listen, how often does Kent State get a chance to come play down here at Dirty Noble Field? Well, they don't. That's what makes this thing so interesting. And uh, so the Golden Flashes got up at the crack of dawn on Thursday morning. They boarded a bus at 7 a.m., eastern time and then the bus ride itself you know with no stops is over 13 hours and so they were going to stop for dinner and they were going to stop for lunch and that sort of stuff and uh you know so you're probably talking you know get leaving at 7 a.m you gain an hour coming back right coming across the uh, the time zone there but still they didn't get there until uh you know thursday evening late that's a long bus ride for anybody And I'm sure they were happy to make it after finding out that their series against West Virginia had been uh, canceled. That was a a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride. Well, that gets canceled, and you have a chance to go down here and play at the greatest ballpark in all college baseball. Now, they may may have regretted that decision, you know, about halfway here. But now that they're here and they've had a chance, I guess, to go tour the facilities and kind of get some BP and kind of look around and see what we have here, this is going to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime type experience for a lot of these players. And so I'm eager to see what they do, but I'm also, you know, I'm. I hope they have a great season, and uh, but not this weekend. You know, we're looking to go out there and win three. Uh, all due respect to uh, the Golden Flashes, but you know, talking to Coach Lamonis, he kind of explained how it all happens. And I wrote an article about that on Gene's page yesterday for free. You can go read that. But uh, you know, when people are looking for games, it's pretty easy to find them. You know, they have this uh, email distribution. Uh, list and they, they can go in there and look and see, you know, who's got games. And that's kind of the COVID cancellation world of which we live right now. You know, you've got all this contact tracing, and in some respects it's, gonna be, it's going to impact the SEC title chase. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you right now. It might happen to us. It might happen to somebody else. But you're going to have some people. And we've, we've had some pitchers that missed Arlington because of some COVID stuff. And much of that contact tracing, right? And then, you know, it's not as simple of, and and, and let me make sure I preface this point by saying, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are dealing with a lot of things more serious than us and a guy missing a start. And so I'm not trying to belittle that at all. I'm not trying to be insensitive. There are a lot of people that have underlying health conditions that this thing is very, very dangerous. You know, but college-age kids, for the most part, have been able to kind of bounce back and go through that. But when you miss 10 days... When you miss ten days of team activities and then you gotta go start a baseball game, you know, it's a couple of days after you get reinstated, that's a difficult draw for anybody. And so there's this whole ramp up too. You know, you gotta get guys back, you gotta get them in condition, you gotta get them in game shape, you gotta get them ready to play. And so guys when they get back out there may not be at their best. And so when you begin to think about that in the grand scheme of things, what if there's a big series between Vanderbilt and Florida? And one of those two teams finds out, you know, the Thursday before they get on the bus to go make that trip that they're going to be missing a couple of their weekend starters. That's going to make a difference in how the series plays out. That's going to make a difference in how the SEC race plays out. And so this is going to be a week-to-week deal. You know, we thought it kind of played havoc with football, and it did. It could be an even bigger deal for baseball. I mean, it really could. And I don't know of any starting quarterbacks in our league that missed any games due to COVID. There may have been some nationally. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure there were. It's a much different deal with us uh, when it comes to baseball. You know, because let's say for an example that we have one starting pitcher uh, or one relief pitcher that gets COVID, and then everybody that's been in contact with him becomes a contact tracer. And then they have to sit out for 10 days. And so you can see how that can be a really, really challenging situation. And so that's what, kind of what happened with Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech went and won a ball game at North Alabama, got COVID tests back, and they had some issues and had to cancel. Now, I'm sure if it's a conference series, they'll figure it out. You know, may have to go out there and throw some freshmen or some, you know, God forbid, some walk-ons. But, uh, you know, imagine if it's a conference game, you're not going to have that same flexibility to cancel. But Tennessee Tech has to cancel, and so we end up getting the team that just swept them in Kent State. So it's a better RPI game for us. You know, I'm told when it's all said and done in the end, when we get ready to have our resume reviewed by the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, chances are that Tennessee Tech RPI is going to be somewhere around 200. That Kent State RPI is probably going to be somewhere around 80. They're in the 20s right now. Not that RPI means anything at this point, but um, – you know, that's a better RPI situation for us because Tennessee Tech is not very good. Yeah, it would have been three wins for us. But let's say we can go pick up two to three wins this weekend against a team that's going to have an RPI, uh, you know, under 100 rather than one that's going to be over 200. That's a much better situation for Mississippi State. The Kent State RPI is up because of uh, West Virginia. Or excuse me, who did they play? Virginia Tech. Yeah, they played Virginia Tech. And then Virginia Tech took two out of three from Miami. And so I think Virginia Tech's RPI is like two. And, again, you know, an RPI in March and 50 cents to get you a cup of coffee at the truck stop. That'd mean a whole lot. But when we get to May and we're starting to kind of, you know, hopefully play our way into a national seat or a host hosting site situation, we're going to be glad that we had a better RPI opportunity. You know, at the end of the day, we've been happy to play anybody because we just want to play baseball. But we're getting a chance to get, you know, a better RPI draw. And so that works in our favor as well. And, again, it's going to be a week-to-week deal. You know, we're, going, we're never going to know from one week to the next. You know, is the schedule going to hold? You know, are we going to have issues within our own program? And that's what we had in weekend one, right? We had issues in our own program. And then now here we are in weekend number three, and we've got issues with an opponent. And so it's going to be something that we kind of have to kind of, you know, hold our breath about. Just because of the fact that uh, there could be things that happen around the country that negatively impact our ability to go play a baseball game. And so I think it says a lot about Chris Lamona says, you know what, we got to get out and go find somebody. And Chris actually told me, he said he wasn't worried about finding somebody for this weekend. He was more worried about that first weekend, like had we not gone to Arlington, you know, putting, you know, a three game series together kind of last minute here. And then he says, you know what. I can't say enough about our administration and the things they've done to help us already this season. You know, we get out there and we get creative, and we end up arranging a charter flight with Ole Miss, and uh, we discussed this on the show too. We had to drive east to get on a plane to fly west, but we did what we had to do. It had been very easy for Dr. Mark Keener to just say, "Wait, wait a minute, guys, let's look at what we're doing here. You know, we're dealing with some unprecedented winter weather in our state, in Louisiana, and in Texas. There are people in Texas without power, without heat, and we're going to go play a baseball game. You know what? Maybe that's not the best situation to put our student athletes in. Maybe it's not the right message to send. Maybe the optics on that are bad. And Dr. Keenum could have made the call there. John Cohen could have made the call there. But we didn't. We found a way to go make it happen. We went out there, won a couple ball games, and all of a sudden we feel really good about our baseball team. We could have very easily this weekend said, you know what, it's just too difficult to put this thing together. But instead, once Chris Lamona says, hey, listen, I talked to this coach at Kent State, and listen, they're interested in coming to play. And then all of a sudden, John Cohen and then the CFO people and lawyers all get involved, and we get a contract done. And all of it happens in under an hour. While Chris is on his way to Pearl, we get it done. It's incredible to think about that. And it takes a team. It does. And it's not just about making the NCAA tournament. It's about bringing baseball to Duty Noble Field. It's about bringing a baseball game for you guys to be able to attend to come and celebrate the things that you love. Those are the things that get lost sometimes. It's so easy to get caught up in the negativity of life. It really is. know we lose a ball game we're ready to fire everybody and bulldoze the campus but what about when something great happens what about when the chips are down and there's some adversity and we find a way to make things happen do we do enough to praise that i don't know that we do do we do enough to really recognize that i don't know that we do you know, there's some people out there that no matter what Mississippi State does, they're going to find fault in what we do. And I always say, you know, with those people, what, why do we need Ole Miss fans and we have some of our own that act that way? I mean, goodness. It's crazy to me. Really, it really is. But uh, we're going to play baseball. We're excited about it. And you should be as well. And it should be a good series. I'll be honest with you. I thought those Tennessee Tech games were going to be blowouts. I thought we would they'd come in here and we'd probably put up double-digit runs. I don't expect that to be the case for Kent State. I think we've got to get in that bullpen, make some things happen. They've got, uh, again, three right-handers, a couple of those guys expected to be drafted. So, you know, we're going to have to get in there and play, but I do like the righty-on-lefty matchup for us. I think it really favors us. We can throw that left-handed lineup out there, which I think is our better lineup.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate?
0: and go to work. So after Coach Chris Lomonas got the weekend settled, he had to go coach a baseball game, right? You know, it's like it's bad enough you're putting in some windshield time and you ought to have an opportunity to kind of you know, talk to some of your coaches and review your spray charts and scouting reports about the Golden Eagles, but you're spending the, the, the majority of the drive down there working the phones between... You know, talking to coaches and talking to your own administration to get some things done. So they get all that stuff done, and we got to go play Southern Miss. And listen, Southern Miss is going to be a good team this year. I don't think Southern Miss is what they have been. I know they were picked, I guess, uh, maybe first or second and COSA with, uh, with Florida Atlantic, I guess. And Florida Atlantic, of course, has had the better start to the season. Uh, but listen, Scott Berry and those guys, they, they didn't forget how to coach baseball. I don't know if this is an overly talented Southern Miss team uh, they really have struggled offensively, and we really exploited that weakness on Wednesday night. But, uh, yeah, we listen, we had a chance to kind of break that ball game open, and we didn't. And that's, that's the one negative that I kind of take away. Yes, we won the game. Yes, we limited them. Our pitching staff was outstanding. But we had a chance a couple times to get that big hit to kind of expand the game, and we didn't do it. We'll get there because I've got a lot of faith in this offense. Well, we didn't do it on Wednesday night. Let's take a quick look at this before we kind of move on, too, because uh, I really want to talk about these Bulldog pitchers. But, uh, you know, we get out there one nothing. you know, right out of the gate. You know, we get out there and kind of get some things rolling and uh, get up one nothing there on a, uh, you know, a Logan Tanner RBI single. Thought he had a pretty good ball game for us. And then we come back in the third inning and we give the run back. Brad Cumbas makes a, an, an error there. And we give them a run back and makes it a 1-1 ball game. Bottom half of that inning, we get the sack fly. Cumbas immediately, immediately redeems himself, right? Rips a ball in the right center and legs it out for a triple. And people have talked about, you know, they were surprised at how fast Brad Compass is. I mean, Brad Cumbas Brad is a football player, man. That guy's an athlete. People said, you know, and Jim Ellis is one of them, said, you know, he was, he was really fast to first. He was even faster to third. From first to third, he really covered a lot of ground and made some big things happen. And so Brad does, gets leadoff triple there. Rowdy Jordan comes through with the sack fly. It's now a 2-1 ball game. It stayed that way until the 5th. And then Tanner Allen singles to the right side and drives in De DeBruy to make it a 3-1 ball game. And then Logan Tanner comes back in, later in that inning and drives in Tanner Allen to make it 4-1. And so with the way we were pitching it, that was more than a comfortable margin. But uh, I listen, I enjoy ball games when, um, you know, we're up 10-11 runs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I like to be able to just kind of relax and enjoy the ball game and not feel like we're going to lose at any points. If we could go out there and hang uh, – you know, hang a ten spot up in the first inning. Uh, you know Rose Bowl would be really happy the rest of the ball game. But uh, let's run some things down here pretty quick here before we get into pitching. Rowdy Jordan goes oh for three. Does get a walk and the RBI there. Rowdy is going to get going. And every time I turn around, somebody said, "Oh, we need to put DeBrow would lead off." You know, Scotty DeBruy is a two-hole hitter. He is exactly what we want as a two-hole hitter. He can bunt. He can hit and run. He is a guy that's not going to strike out a lot, and so he's going to protect the runner. He can be a table setter for your three, four, five guys. And so I like him exactly where he is, so we'll disagree to disagree. Rowdy will get it going, and we also need, you know, Rowdy's ability to switch hit at the top of the order to kind of prevent us from getting stacked one way or another uh, when we do flip the lineup. Tanner Allen – Uh, Picks up a couple of hits, a two-for-four night for him, scores a run, drives in a run. Uh, Logan Tanner, who hit the baseball really hard over the weekend, two-for-four with a couple of RBIs. And he's got to be an RBI machine for us. Josh Hatcher, an 0-for-four night. But Josh Hatcher absolutely tattooed the baseball all four times. And we had a couple of some tough luck double plays early in the ballgame. And we lined into a couple of double plays. You know, we hit lined one out to center, and Tanner Allen gets doubled off. And then we have a hit and run on. And I guess I can't remember who hit it. But, um, you know, we, we tattoo one, and the shortstop's going to cover the bag and grabs it and doubles the runner off first. You know, and so we had some tough luck there, but we barreled some balls up. And I really thought Josh hit the baseball probably as well as he had all year, even though the box score doesn't show it. Uh, Luke Hancock, three walks and uh, over one. Luke is a guy now that people are going to pay attention to. They're not going to let Luke Hancock beat him. And one of the things that makes Luke Hancock so dangerous is he can hit left-handers. Josh Hatcher struggles a little bit with a left-handed breaking ball. When Josh will take that ball the other way or when Josh will stay closed and kind of sit for his fastball, he can murder some baseballs. But, you know, when he can't lay off that slider away, it makes for a tough – outing and listen everybody's seen that film they know it and that's probably one of the holes that you would say is in Josh's offensive game is the ability to hit the left-handed breaking ball Luke Hancock doesn't have those same struggles Luke's a guy that will take the ball the other way and uh, because of that he's going to have some people kind of pitch around him and that's the case against other miss Cameron James is a guy that uh, has got three home runs already and you know, Cam's a guy that's kind of been a tough luck hitter too. He's hit the ball hard a couple times, and then reached on errors, and really he's kind of at the mercy of the score, the official score. There he goes, one for four uh, on the night. Landon Jordan, oh for four, but another guy too that hit hit it on the screws, just didn't have a lot to show for it. I think that kind of bodes well getting into the weekend. Uh, Brad Cumbus, two for three, had the triple, and then had the double off the wall that uh, many people thought was a home run, including Brad. Then he had to kind of hightail it to second, kind of had an awkward slide there. Got a little dinged up. No update on him. Uh, We hope to know something uh, when we get to the ballpark on Friday. Let's look at his Bulldog pitching because that's really the story of the day, right? You know, it's one of those things to say, you know what, yeah, we made some loud outs, Steve, but they're still outs. Well, we got a lot of quiet outs against Southern myths from a pitching standpoint. Houston Harding, absolutely outstanding. I had a chance to visit with Houston this summer down in Meridian uh, during a summer league game, and, and we talked a little bit about that, about how he felt that his best pitch was his changeup. Because he could throw his changeup in fastball counts. It is basically a tunnel pitch for him. He throws it in the same arm slot with the same arm speed, and it just really trusts the grip a little bit. And so if you're in a fastball count and you're expecting that 89 to 91-mile-an-hour fastball and he drops in a 78, 79-mile-an-hour changeup, you're going to look really silly. He had it working for him uh, against Southern Miss and uh, really only had the one inning where he had any real issues there and uh, did have the one run scored against him. They did give an earned run and then charge Kumbis with the throwing error there. But Houston Harding goes five innings, allows just two hits, uh, one run, one walk, nine strikeouts at Dog hunt right there. Uh, the wild pitch was also instrumental in getting that run to a third. Uh, he faced 19 hitters and had three flyouts, three groundouts, 88 uh, pitches, and if I'm not mistaken, 63 of those were for strikes. And so, if we're going to go out there and pound the strike zone and be able to change speeds, we're going to get a lot of people out. And we're going to let a lot of people get themselves out. I think Houston Harding has shown that guy belongs here. He absolutely belongs here. And that first start of the year, he kind of gets thrown to the wolves, right? Finds out about an hour before game time, hey, you got the bump today. That's when we had the late scratch of bed and arm with the Houston Harding out there. Uh, I believe he's around 50%. Strike ratio, or the pitches he threw up there. He got out there and competed, just didn't have his best stuff. And that's part of the thing, too. Pitchers are kind of funny like that. You know, you kind of need that day or so to kind of mentally prepare and go through your mental reps and all the things you need to do. But all of a sudden you show up at a ballpark and like, hey, you got to go today. So I think we saw more of who Houston Harding really is against Southern Miss. That's the Houston Harding that I saw this summer. That's the Houston Harding that beat Texas Tech last year in Biloxi. And then we bring in Preston Johnson to make his Bulldog debut. We have heard about Preston Johnson regularly uh, for the last few months. He said he's going to be a big part of the bullpen. Well, then he misses about two weeks, comes in, makes his Bulldog debut. What, one of the better debuts that we have seen in recent years. We had a chance to speak to Preston in postgame, and he admitted, I was nervous in the bullpen. I was nervous during warm-ups. And then when the catcher threw it down, I said, you know what? Let them know that I belong here. Let them know. Let them know, Big Preston. So Preston goes two innings pitch, allows one hit, six Ks, one walk, faces eight hitters and uh, 35 pitches. And absolutely made them look silly with the slider and the change. There's a lot of guys that can come out there that can throw hard and don't know how to pitch. Preston Johnson knows how to pitch. You know, Frank Montgomery told me a while back over lunch that one of the worst things that ever happened to college baseball was a radar gun because everybody wants to throw hard. And listen, that's one of the things that MLB teams are looking for guys that can bring the heat. But we got a lot of throwers at times and we don't always have pitchers. Well, Preston Johnson is a pitcher, he is a guy that can throw the slider and the changeup and the fastball from the same arm slot, which makes him absolutely filthy. When I'm looking fastball and I see it I'm thinking fastball, 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 and then the thing slides away from me and I swing over the top of it like a fool. And then the next time I'm up there thinking it's a fastball count and he can drop that change in there on me for a strike. And that's the thing, too. If you can't land your breaking stuff for a strike, everybody's going to sit dead red fastball. And these are SEC caliber hitters. And so they see 95, 96 all the time. It's, it's not the novelty to them that it, it, maybe it is to the casual fan. You know, anybody can get out there, you know, you get the pitching machine set up and set that thing at 95 miles an hour, and eventually you're going to get your timing down. You're going to be able to sting that. But it's so hard to do that when it looks like you're going to get the fastball and you get that, you know, 20-mile-an-hour differential, right? You get that guy that's throwing 95 and come back and drop a 78-mile-an-hour changeup on you in the exact same spot. It makes life a little bit more difficult. And that's who Preston Johnson is. This is a kid that can really pitch. and You need to be excited about him. He's going to be that guy that helps kind of bridge the game along. And that's what made that Houston-Harding deal so special. He goes five innings, turns the uh, second half of the game over to the bullpen, and then Preston Johnson gets a couple of innings. Cam- Cameron Teller comes in and gets an inning. and He had a-, a difficult outing out there in Arlington. And some of that wasn't his own fault. You know, There were some times I-, I thought he got squeezed a little bit, and we didn't always play the best defense behind him. But he has a, uh, you know, a perfect inning of relief. Goes out there, punches out two guys, uh, retires three hitters on 11 pitches, gets a ground out and two strikeouts. And a couple of those pitches that he missed with, he had eight strikes out of 11 pitches, and a couple of those were set up. So Those were, you know, balls that we threw out of his zone trying to get a hitter to chase. And that's kind of indicative of what we want to do as a pitching staff. As we go out there, we want to pepper the strike zone. We want to get soft contact. We want to make you hit the pitch. We don't want to sit there and walk people. And that's been the thing that's kind of plagued us early on is we've had a lot of walks and a lot of hit-by-pitches. And then we get out there on Wednesday night and eliminate most of that. And so, again, a good confidence-building outing for Cameron Tuler. And then Stone Simmons comes in and, uh, you know, works the ninth and uh, gets a save. He does walk a guy but strikes out the side. Does it all at 18 pitches. Very efficient effort by the Bulldogs, 152 pitches thrown, all told. Faced 34 hitters. That's it. Had three fly outs and four ground outs. And, and the bullpen had one ground out. That's it. We go four innings. And just and, and think about this for a second here. So we go four innings. All right, that's 12 outs, right? Well, 11 of those outs came by the way of strikeout. You had one guy. It flew out. That's it. So once Harding got out of the game, mess couldn't put the ball in play. And that's the thing you get so excited about is it's easiest. Well, you know, one guy had a really good day, but you tried four different guys out there, and every guy's throwing just as good as the guy before him. You are going to win that ball game. And you know what? You might not get that timely hit. You may not get that game that gives you that hit that gives you a little separation. But when they can't hit the baseball, they can't score. When we don't issue them full passes, then they don't, they don't have the benefit of scoring the run without a hit. Southern Miss had three hits in the ballgame. Three. Two of those came against Houston Harding. So three Bulldog relievers combined to give up one hit and two walks. That's it. Give up three hits, walk three, strike out 20. 19 years to the day since we had our last 20 strikeout game. Now, you don't expect that every night, but we got a ton of swings and misses. That's the thing you go back and look at. It's one thing to get the called strike and be able to kind of fool the guy. But, you know, when you got guys out on their front foot thinking fastball and you're able to change speeds a little bit, and even if they do put it in play, there's not going to be much to it. It's going to be an easy play on the defense. And listen, we're still not playing great defensive baseball. We're not. But we'll get there. We'll get there. But I'm excited about the effort. For the first time this year, I really felt like Mississippi State pitching lived up to its billing. Now, that's not to say Landon Sims had not been outstanding. He has been. And I don't know if you guys noticed, I looked this up earlier today. Mississippi State currently third in the country in case per nine inning with 13.9. Ole Miss second at 14. And then uh, Lehigh number one, but they don't even play two ball games. So, I don't know if we can really count them. So, State and Ole Miss both pitching kind of getting it done. Now, I think, you know, when you begin to look at quality competition here in the the last week, week 10 to 10 days, State has played better teams uh, than Ole Miss has. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue against, you know, their success. I think that number will come down. I was a little surprised that Ole Miss had done as well as they did. Then I went back and looked and saw who all they played since they left Arlington. But, uh, you know, those are going to be some interesting ball games. Thankfully, we get them at our place. But again, Mississippi State pitching, at least on Wednesday night, was absolutely dominant. And that's what we've been expecting. And as I said on Bo Bound's show, too, it's like all of this preseason talk is not just hype. It's not just somebody trying to sell tickets. It's not somebody, you know, in the sports information department at Mississippi State saying, hey, can you guys do us a solid and say our pitching staff's really good? The reason you heard so much talk about Mississippi State's pitching staff being so good is because Mississippi State's pitching staff is really good. It's not something that's made up. And I I read the stuff on message boards. Well, I went ahead and believed the hype. Hey, when it comes to this pitching staff, you should believe the hype. We've had 21 pitchers pitch already. And there are three more that we've expected to pitch that hadn't pitched yet, including one of our weekend starters and Will Bednar one of our top middle relievers in Parker Stinnett, one of our young freshmen that we were really excited about in Cade Smith. And so those are three guys right there we expected to have big roles that hadn't even pitched yet. So that's probably going to be – you're going to have 24 guys see action this year more than likely, unless we just go ahead and decide to redshirt somebody. But, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. You remember a few years ago when Andy Cannizzaro was the coach, we ended up having three position players win baseball games for us as pitchers. Jake Mangum, of course, became our Sunday starter. Won a couple ball games. Cole Gordon is a guy that hadn't pitched in forever. Made himself a pitcher. Won a ball game. Brant Blaylock won an overtime, excuse me, an extra inning game against Alabama. We had three position players, like we're some travel team baseball team from Rankin County, getting out there and just you know bringing in somebody from the outfield to come pitch a game for us. And now we've got 21 different pitchers that have gone, and the majority of those guys have put in big innings. And so, yeah, is it right to be excited about Mississippi State pitching? You're on right it is. These guys can really bring it. And every time I turn around, there's somebody else walking out there in their Bulldog debut throwing 95-96. And then to keep people off that fastball, they're able to throw a big wipeout breaking ball or they're able to change speeds. And that says a lot about Scott Foxall. And, listen, Fox is a guy that knows what he's doing, man. Like all these walks you had the first week to ten days, you got to know that Scott Foxall, number one, is such a great pitching coach. He will straighten that out. And, two, with the options he has available to him, he is not going to be very patient and give some guy a long leash that's not going to throw strikes. He's going to go. He's got, you know, 20 other guys he can call on and go out there and pound a strike zone for him. They're going to get that figured out. And I believe Wednesday was certainly a step in the right direction. Big win for Mississippi State. Looking forward to some more big wins this weekend. And, again, really grateful that you're going to be able to be here and be a part of it. All right, today time for today's top ten list. We're also going to do a baseball theme today. It's going to be different. It's not the walk-ups. It's not, it's not a rap thing, I can promise you. As always, the top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. Dr. Robert Yarborough, part of a great, great group of physicians called the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. If you're a person that has struggled with sinus headaches, you know, it just seems like, well, you know, this time of year, I always just kind of get the crud. I've always got this chronic hours. Listen, you're just treating the symptoms rather than addressing the problem. Well, let Dr. Yarborough help you. Two locations to serve you uh, right here at 910 Stark Road in Starkville. And any surgical procedure that's required, it's going to be done at OCH, so he's supporting the county hospital. If you're in Tupelo, 618 Pegram Drive, there in Tupelo, one number will get you to both locations. All right? So pay attention to what we're saying here, or pause the show, grab a pen and paper. It's time to put that suffering to an end once and for all. 662 844 6513. Again, that's 662 844 6513. Dr. Robert Yarbrough, known him a long time. Great guy, great physician, do a great job for you. And rather than having to have these annual sinus pressure problems and all this pain under your eyes and stuff, let's just get it handled. It it doesn't make life any easier to live if you suffer through it. So give Dr. Yarbrough a call. Again, that's 662-844-6513. So we're going to do a baseball thing today. And I thank my friend Sumner Davis for the recommendation. Sumner Davis, a legendary youth soccer coach here in Starkville. I've uh, been around Sumner several times, coached out there myself several times. And I, and my, my, my goal is uh, once my youngest child graduates high school, I plan to go coach youth soccer again. Because I love coaching youth soccer. I really do. I have a good time out there. I enjoy teaching the game. I enjoy being out there on the pitch. And uh, so, Sumner, go ahead and get ready. I'm coming. But Sumner called me and said, hey, listen, I was just riding around this beautiful spring day and thinking about being out of Duty Noble Field. And we talked about pregame and how much fun it is to go watch pregame. And we talked about, you know, what, what are your, some of your favorite songs that kind of let you know you're at the ballpark? You know what I'm saying? Like kind of your favorite Duty Noble songs, not walk-ups, but just, you know, songs they play, you know, as you're kind of walking around the venue and kind of selling into the left field lounge and having a good day. And so these are my top ten duty noble field songs and I'll, I'll be honest with you and Roy agrees with me this is one of the best lists we put together and so if you're going to be driving a to Starkville today or Saturday or Sunday let me encourage you grab this list off Spotify and it'll get you in the duty noble field mood how about that so here we go top 10 duty noble field baseball pregame, whatever warm-up songs whatever you want let's just say atmosphere songs Number 10, and we're going back a ways here. I don't even think they've played this one anymore, but it is a really cool song. It is called The Greatest by Kenny Rogers, about a young baseball player. Great baseball song. If you're unfamiliar with it, go listen to it. I am the greatest. Number nine, they play this one at Duty Noble now. And I don't know if we pick it or just somebody has it on a playlist somewhere. But... Anytime I hear it on the radio, it reminds me of being out there in the summertime, and I always think about my buddy Chad Dacus out there in that glorious beard out there in, uh, in right center. And it's caught up in you by 38 Special. Chad and I, we get on the Rockbot app, and we vote for each other's tunes. Chad's a great guy, and uh, many of you voted for him to win that beard contest, and I think he, like, won some beard oil or something, but it was really about the pride of the thing. But caught up in you by 38 Special number eight and this is one that a lot of people have covered i don't know that many of you know the story behind this song so i'm gonna share a little bit with you before we move along here the name of the song is wagon wheel and you know it you know rock me mama like a wagon wheel and maybe you know the darius rucker version best i don't think that's the best version i decided on this list to go with the old crow medicine show i think their version is the best and so the genesis of this song is that bob dylan Wrote the kind of the bridge and it was an unreleased track and it was somebody had found it on a bootleg he had played it live and then the good old boys from the old crow medicine show wrote the verses and uh, it's kind of a goofy video there out there on youtube but i I love that version of the song Darius rucker's version is great too i just like old crow medicine shows a little bit better so again that's wagon wheel Uh, number seven this goes back to the ron polk days back when we used to take infield we would play "Sweet Georgia Brown" by the uh, the brother by Brother Bones, and um, that's for most of you know that as the theme song to the Harlem Globetrotters, and that's exactly what it was. But that's what Polk had for pregame, and uh, that's when I hear that song. It doesn't remind me of the Globetrotters. It reminds me of coming to Dirty Noble Field and watching, you know, that great 1989 team take infield and that song playing in the background. The number six song on the list. We used to play this all the time. And I would really like to have a conversation with whoever decided that we would stop playing this one because it's, it's really a silly decision. And it's Omaha by the Counting Crows. Listen, that's our destination every year. Goodness, we've got an Omaha club. We've got an Omaha room. Why can't we play Omaha by the Counting Crows anymore? That is college baseball. That's our destination every year. That's our goal every single year is to get to Omaha and win it. But for some reason, we decided to stop playing that song, and I mentioned that to some people here a while back, and they looked at me like I was from outer space. And listen, I understand that I don't look like the typical Mississippian, but the fact that somebody doesn't know the song Omaha from Counting Crows and you're involved with college baseball, I have to kind of question things a little bit. So if you're listening, we got to bring that back. We have to start playing Omaha by the Counting Crows. Uh, at Dirty noble field put it it needs to be on the game day pre, uh, every, uh, the playlist every single day it has to be you gotta you, listen you got some cover songs out there you got people you know listen erase that stuff and let's get back to the real college baseball stuff number five and this is one that we do play at Dirty noble field and i love it it's the boys are back in town from Then lizzie i think we take infield to that now the boys are back the boys are back in town Phil Line wrote a gem when he wrote this one. Number four, another one, and uh, I don't know that we play the original version. I think we played a Jimmy Buffett version, which I kind of reject on principle. If we're going to play Brown Eyed Girl, folks, we're going to play the Van Morrison one. That's just kind of how it has to be. And and you say, well, Steve, Jimmy Buffett's great, and he is. He is. So let's play one of his songs. But if we're going to do Brown Eyed Girl, let's do Van Morrison. Number three, We had to mix in a little country here, right? But, no, I didn't go with Florida Georgia Line or I didn't go with uh, Luke Bryan or Luke Combs or any of those people or whoever. You know, I didn't do that. I went with Alabama. I went with the cheap seats. How do you go to a college baseball game and that's not one of the songs you hear? And and we, we play it at Dirty Noble and it's great. Number two, another one that we play... It's Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen. And uh, listen, it's a great song. It's on the Born in the USA album. Probably the best song on that album outside of maybe the title track. And there's a bunch of hits on there. You know, The Dance in the Dark and I'm on Fire. Um, I think, what was it? Uh, Cover Me is on there too. But uh, yeah, it's a great album. But uh, Glory Days is one of those songs that still stands up today. There are a lot of those songs that were kind of part of, of an era and maybe they don't hold up as well, but Glory Days is one. If you go to a college baseball stadium, you're going to hear that song, and as well you should. But number one, it's John Fogarty's center field, right? I mean, put me in, Coach. I'm ready to play. I mean, that's it, it is a staple of college baseball, and I'm so glad that we play it. Most of these songs, obviously, are on the playlist now, but I've got to burr in the saddle about that Omaha thing. I really do. I, I really, really do. I remember being out there watching us play in uh, the regionals. I don't remember what year it was. And uh, we were winning a ball game. And next thing you know, they started playing that song during a pitching change. And it was like chills just filled the room. It's everybody thought, you know what, this is really fixing to happen for us. We're really fixing to go to Omaha again. And so, if you're listening, let's fix that. Let's fix it. If you're unfamiliar with the song, it's available on iTunes. Great, great song, Omaha by the Counting Crows. That's a top ten list. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I've had a couple people reach out. And I said, hey, listen, I'm going to do that on Friday. I didn't do it. So I worked this one in uh, for Sumner Davis. And uh, next week we're going to come back. And, uh, you know, it's like I wanted to do all those walk-up songs. And uh, some of them I didn't really like, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's just I didn't do it. But, you know, th- those players didn't ask me. You know, Steve, what do you think? What should I use? You know, so we'll move on from that. But I'm I'm really happy with today's list. I think it, I think this is one of those lists you can kind of keep on your phone, you know, for a while. Maybe this is your travel to Duty Noblefield list. But those are my favorite Duty Noblefield songs. But if you have an idea for top ten lists, reach out. Let me know. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Today's men's basketball update brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmark. Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie—they will treat you like family because in their minds, you are family. Many of you use their free parking lot, right, students? Some of you commuter students—you can go park at Campus Bookmart for free. They got a big gravel lot behind the store, and you can stop in there and see Standing Man on your way in because maybe you forgot your highlighter, or you left some of your school materials behind. It's probably a good decision. But if you're like the rest of us, maybe you're not involved with college classes, you're just looking to outfit your family in the latest and greatest in in Mississippi State uh, merchandise, you can do that by visiting them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get the phrase that pays, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. You need to get that new M over over S merchandise. And listen, we still got some cool weather ahead of us. Go ahead and get that nice M over S hoodie. I know I've seen a lot of people around town sporting that black and white one. You know, for the Sunday blacks, you put that M over S on, you walk out there and you identify as a bulldog and people are like, you know what, hey, that guy's pretty cool. You kind of get yourself some cooler threads and you can do that at campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little men's basketball you know, things kind of went the way we thought it would go, at least the way we hoped it would go here in the final stretch. And uh, we have been really critical of Ben Howland at times this year, and it hadn't always been pretty, but we have found the little juice down the stretch. And that was kind of the hope, right? We're like, you know what, at look at these last couple of weeks. If we can kind of find a way uh, to get some juice here, we're in pretty good shape. Now, February the 19th, we talked about that game at Ole Miss. I think we all thought, you know, if we go up to Oxford and get embarrassed, and at the time Ole Miss was playing lights out, it might have been lights out for us too. It might have been lights out for Ben Howland. But a funny thing happened on the way to the coaching search, right? Ben Howland got him going. We go up there and we beat Ole Miss at their place, and in many respects kind of knocked them off the bubble. And they still got a chance. They've picked up another quad one win since then. But, listen, that was a big win for us at the time. We go up there and beat our arch rivals on the road at their place. We come back home and prove that we could stand a little prosperity. And we absolutely destroyed South Carolina for the second time this year. We won 69-48. That game was not even competitive. Then we host Alabama, who won the SEC regular season championship, and we got a big hole earlier, but we dug our way out, and we were down five. We lose the game by five. You know, I don't know that there's anybody that played Alabama better than Mississippi State did this year in two ball games. You know, for some reason, Ben Howland just kind of has, you know, the kryptonite for Nate Oates. We just didn't have enough talent, I guess, you know, to kind of pull the thing off. We needed a third scoring option, but we did a good job. I expect this to get absolutely drilled in both of those games, especially with the three-point percentage uh, shooting percentage Alabama had. But Mississippi State's perimeter defense has improved this year. And then we said, you know what, we got to find a way to go get that win on the road to give us a little buffer and give us a chance to post a winning record this year. And we go down there and, listen, it didn't look great for a while against a It didn't. And they hadn't played a ball game in over a month. We all knew that, talked about it on the show. I was like, look, there's no way we should lose this basketball game. And then it was for a while there, it seemed like we might. We're down 33-29 at the break. We respond and outscored them by 10 in the second half to win 63-57. Iverson Molinar, your leading scorer with 18 points. D.J. Stewart comes in with 14 and 38 minutes of action. He also knocked down four of nine from the three-point line. Both of them pull down five rebounds, and they both stay out of foul trouble. We still got a little bit better. We got to get more assists from our point guard. We got to find a way to get other people involved, and that that's all part of that maturation process. We were outstanding on the defensive end, and uh, I give Tulu Smith and Abdul will do a lot of credit for that. Uh, Tolu eight points for him, six rebounds, and he had the five assists. When do you see your big man, when do you see your power forward out there dishing? goes to show you this guy's a team player abdul will do 27 minutes of action four of five from the floor pulled down six boards scored eight points and just one personal foul when abdul will do stays out of foul trouble and he can play without fouling mississippi state typically has a pretty good night because he is such a alter of shots he is a guy that protects that rim and doesn't allow easy baskets on a regularity um Devon Smith comes off the bench, seven points, and also pulled down eight rebounds. Man, what an active guard he is on rebounding. It seems like every time that he gets minutes, this is the guy that gets to the basket. And and he's one of the smaller players on the, on the floor, but he's explosive. We go three of 12 from the free throw line, which is abysmal. We go eight of 19 from the three-point line, which is decent. We go 26 of 49 from the floor, so we shoot 53%. from the free throw line. And you begin to look at this, 32 points in the paint for us. And you look at the flip side for them. Wasn't quite as good for them, 24 points in the paint. They have 21 points off of our turnovers, and we had a ton. We scored three off of theirs. We get 10 six-chance points, second-chance points, pardon me. They get six. They get 16 fast-break points to our three. We get 13 off the bench. They get 25. And it's like you begin to look at this thing and you say, wait a minute, how did we win? How did we win? I've said many times on this show that good coaching wins you close games and bad coaching loses you close games. And so let's give Ben Howen some credit. You know, we didn't go out there and play exceptionally well, but he kind of willed this team, you know, to a win. You start looking at these numbers, it's absolutely ridiculous. We had 17 turnovers. 17 turnovers in the game. Uh, Texas a had four. So we didn't force turnovers. We committed a bunch of them. And then we still found a way to win the game. Uh, it's just incredible to kind of look at that. They had nine steals. We had two. I mean, it's like you begin to look at this and say, okay, well, you know, Steve, was there any statistical category that we actually led in? I was like, yeah, we had eight blocks. They had one. And we had more points. And that's what matters most. When you start getting caught up in the minutiae of that stuff, sometimes you lose sight of what really matters most. And so – Let's give Ben Howen some credit. It's not always pretty, but, you know, I don't always need the style points. I just need some wins, and uh, we've gotten three in the last four games. We've got a chance to get another one this Saturday on the road at Auburn. That's a winnable game, especially considering how well that we've played on the road, and there, there is no appreciable home court advantage any longer, Right. There's no crowds there that can kind of give you lift. And let's look at this Auburn team here real quickly, and we'll, we will get into that, you know, next week. We have an opportunity, I hope, to win this ballgame. But they're 12-14 and 14 on the year. We're 14-12. and 12. Um, They have not played exceptionally well, but they have played well enough to win more times than not. Uh, they, they get blasted at LSU. They lose to Florida 74-57. They come back, beat Tennessee 77-72, get beat by a dozen from from, from Alabama. But this rough stretch was kind of predated by some games that were all within, you know, 10 points. And so this is a team that's capable of playing well. They haven't played well as of late. And so this is a winnable game for us. And here's the thing too, if we win this basketball game, we are guaranteed to have a winning season. Absolutely guaranteed. No matter what happens in the SEC tournament, we are guaranteed to have a winning season. Now let's go back in hindsight a little bit here. Let's remember the discussions that we had at the beginning of the year. We said, you know what, if we could end up with a winning season and be around five hundred in the conference, we would consider this year a win. We're 14 and 12, and we're 8 and 9 in SEC. So, you win that ball game on Saturday, you're going to finish exactly 500 in the league, and you're going to be 15 and 12, and you can't lose more than one game in the SEC tournament. And it's difficult as it's been at times, and at times you look at it, and it's so incredibly frustrating. I think in hindsight, you begin to look back and you take a deep breath, and you're like, you know what? We were playing our best basketball at the end of the year. We got better as the year went on, and we were able to salvage something of the year. We are able to post a winning record and be 500 in the league this year, considering that we lost seven players, including four starters, off the roster a year ago. I think you got to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? As boring as this half-court offense is at times, It might be all we're capable of running with the available talent until some of these younger guys kind of come around. And we know we expect Derek Fountain and Devion Smith to be a big part of things moving forward. We expect Cam Matthews to play a little bit more. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm pleased with the year, but I would say that we had probably met expectations. You win that ball game at Auburn on Saturday – I don't think you can look back and say, you know, too many things critical about this team. There are some individual games you can go through and say, you know what, we should have won this one, should have won that one, and it's true. But they're peaking at the right time. Now, I have no aspirations about making an NCAA tournament or winning the SEC tournament. But I think, listen, I have tried to be as honest and forthright about this men's basketball team throughout the year. And when the chips have been down late – Ben Howen and his team have answered the call. They have. I don't think you can look at any of these games the last two weeks and say, you know what, they weren't ready to play. They found a way to win. Didn't play well against A&M, found a way to win. Shouldn't have been in the ballgame with Alabama and nearly won the game. That's just the reality of the deal. I mean, let's call it for what it is. And listen, I know Ben Howen is a convenient punching bag. And I, listen, I've taken some shots myself. But when we're winning, you know, how can we continue to be negative about that? And you can say, well, you know, Steve, I don't like the style of play. And you know what? I don't either. I don't either. But I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. I just want to win. That's what I want to do. I want to win. And, again, if we can post a winning record this year in basketball after all that we've gone through, and then we can kind of keep the roster together, I think it bodes well for next year. Then all of a sudden, we get back over to 20-win plateau and probably into the NCAA tournament. If you're looking to make the move to Starkville, and you should be, give my friend Brooks Bryan a call. And Brooks is your friend, too. And he might be your best friend you hadn't met yet. Brooks Bryant, one of the developers for the new Portico residential uh, complex here in Starkville i hate to even call it a complex it's a development a residential development it's not an apartment complex it's a residential development where you're gonna you're gonna go out there and you're gonna you're gonna put your family there and maybe you put your family there on ballgame weekends maybe you put them there full-time i like you full-time folks the best now i don't want to have to wait for a table at bulldog burger company but uh, you know i want you guys to come up here but listen starville's thriving we're happy here and you will be too no matter the size of your family, your home, you've got an opportunity to find a spot that fits you. And, and, and listen, if you want to be part of the phase one, time is running out. Eighteen homes in that first phase, and a dozen of them have already been sold. And I understand they got, they got somebody close on one more. So you ha- need to have a little sense of urgency if you want to get in there. And listen, as I've told you guys, so you, you come off 82 there and you take that turn uh, you know, to get on 12, and then it's right there. You take that turn at Pat Station Road, it takes you right to Garrett Road, right there behind the Hilton Garden Inn, the Chrysler Jeep dealership. It's just over a mile from campus, very conveniently located. If you're a runner, you can leave your house, go out there, run through campus and run back home and do all of your, your evening or weekend runs right there on campus. It's that close easy access to 25 easy access to 82 any anywhere you want to get but you know you want to be right here by the action right and i've shared with you guys too for you guys that are unfamiliar with that area you're right here by that brand new neighborhood market walmart it's great so you don't have to go take the bypass and go around to the big walmart you know, maybe once a week if you just need to go by and get supper it's right there it's right there and that's where everybody's building right there you should too Give our friend Brooks a call. He'll, he'll probably got some good stories to tell you about some baseball stuff. I'm a baseball guy. I love talking to Brooks. And, um, you know, he's just one of those guys, too. He, he has such a a good memory about things. You know, he remembers details like all good ball players do. They can tell you counts and pitches and, you know, that sort of stuff and who spit where, that kind of stuff. Brooks will fill you in all of that, too, but he'll, he'll also help you make your move to Starkville whether it be an investment property or or your primary residence, Brooks is the guy to call. The number, 601-416-8075. Again, that's Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, some women's basketball, and then we'll do some recruiting and get on out of here today. You guys have been getting your money's worth from me, I promise you that, here as of late. These longer shows, uh, and you're getting them much earlier in the day. But uh, the women... Uh, the season, in many respects, is probably ended. There is still an outside shot that they get an at-large bid because there, a lot of those automatic qualifiers are not going to ring this year because there were several leagues that didn't play basketball this year. Now, with Ole Miss beating Arkansas, that really complicates matters for Mississippi State. And if we had beaten LSU and then the chalk held and Arkansas beat Ole Miss, I think we could say we're probably in. At this point, I think we need some help. And many of you are saying, you know what, Steve, I don't even want to go to the tournament. Listen, I do. Even if we go one and done, you know, I want to keep the streak going. And many of you are like, Steve, I'm just so tired of the disappointment. And and I get it. Nikki McCray-Pence is going to be back next year, Barnes, and it's completely unforeseen. it has been some real challenges this year. It has not been a fun year. It has not been a fun year for women's basketball. And that's been the real rub, hasn't it? It's one of those things that we've all taken such great pride in and our women's basketball team, and all of a sudden it's like we realize, wait a minute, this thing is going away on us, and we're not ready for that to happen. You know, there we were on the threshold of greatness playing for national championships, and then uh, now here we are, you know, kind of sweating this thing out to have an opportunity to uh, to make the NCAA tournament. You know, you know, we're used to hosting, and now we're just hoping to make the field. Now, I'm going to run down a schedule here for you, too. You remember early in the year, there were some things that popped up early in the year, and people were like, wait a minute. You know, we beat Jackson State by 30, but it really wasn't what we expected. And you say, well, it's the first game, new system. So we kind of excused that. Then we blasted UNO 106-51. We said, okay, now we're rolling. And then we lost that game at South Florida. And a lot of people then were like, wait a minute. We're not supposed to lose that ball game even on the road and we kind of excused it and said, "Well, you know, it's been a weird year." You have the Southern Miss game canceled, we come back home, we beat Troy 103-76, so we're 3 and 1 and then we beat Southern 79-55, probably a game we should have won 100 or more. We route Central Arkansas 72-49 and so I think we all looked back and said, "You know what? We only had the one non-conference loss. We should probably be six and zero heading into SEC play. And then we went to Athens and we won that game. And you know, listen, Vic has taken some of our best teams down to Athens and had a real struggle down there, Georgia. And so when we won that game by seven, we're thinking, okay, listen, we're we're not unfamiliar with tough ball games in Athens. And then we lose to Kentucky here in a ball game we should have won. Not to say that Kentucky's not a better team than us. I believe they probably are. They're picked ahead of us, and Ron Howard's a phenomenal player. But we had a chance to win it. We couldn't make the shot. And then things got a little bit crazy for us. We did go down to Gainesville and win. felt like we were okay. Struggled a little bit in that ball game against a really bad Florida team. We struggled against Ole Miss, had a chance to put that game away, and they had that furious comeback. And then we lost the ball game to Alabama, and that's a team that we have kind of pushed around a little bit the last several years. Even though we expected Alabama to be improved, that was real frustrating for everybody. And then we get absolutely destroyed at A&M. And that's when the bloom was officially off the rose because we knew what was coming next is the blowout loss of South Carolina, which is exactly what happened. And then we go to Fayetteville and have a chance to win that basketball game and couldn't close. We just couldn't get over the hump. And then we had several postponements, as you guys know. Alabama comes, uh, protects the home court. We go over there, don't play well. We get down and we come back and make it look competitive late. We found a way to bounce back and beat the worst team in the league, Auburn. And then we go down to Baton Rouge and play and say, okay, well, we've kind of figured some things out. Now we're getting ready to play our best basketball. Let's celebrate senior day, kind of wrap up an NCAA tournament bid. And then we get drilled by 20 at home. And so, you know, when I look at this thing in hindsight, I can say, you know what, when you begin to follow the schedule, you say, well, okay, well that okay, we expected to lose to Texas A&M. Cuz we we listen, we had some great Mississippi State teams good on there and, and Gary Blair really gave us some trouble. You know, Vic Won the last few down there, but uh listen, that's a tough place to play and then they end up winning the league. And South Carolina was at one point the number 1 team in the country. And so those are two games I think most of us expected to lose. But when you kind of play it back in hindsight, you say, you know what, there's some other games in here we had no business losing. And that's where the frustrations come in. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens next year. You know, And let me go ahead and prepare you again. We're going to have players leave. We're going to have players leave, and some of that's going to be for the betterment of the program. And I'll leave it at that. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting before we get out of here. So a lot of people say, you know what, Steve, Uh, Who's the next commitment? That's probably the most common question I get. Who is the next commitment and and who's the quarterback we want? You know, Tanner Bailey, of course, is uh, right there near the top and is being recruited as a priority. Uh, Mike Leach doesn't offer a ton of quarterbacks early. And part of that's because he kind of handpicks his guy. And so he's been on Tanner Bailey. I understand they've spoken, uh, I guess, three times this week two to three times this week and so when the head man is speaking that regularly with a quarterback prospect you, you got to kind of understand he's a priority and listen there's been some discussions about you know with south carolina and somebody crystal balled him with south carolina and i'm not being negative about anybody that puts a crystal ball pick in some of you guys take that stuff way too seriously but a guy puts a crystal ball pick in with a moderate confidence level and everybody loses their mind it's like well, wait a minute we thought we were getting that kid. So do they have information that we don't? And so I get on the phone, talk to them, and I kind of find out that it's really kind of an educated guess, and it's really kind of a hopeful guess. They don't really know anything. They're just kind of hoping he goes to South Carolina. I hadn't put a crystal ball pick in yet for, you know, for Tanner Bailey. And for those of you that don't don't subscribe to Gene's page, you you certainly should. But what I'm talking about, crystal ball is basically how we project a player to sign. And so I go in and pick and say, I think this kid's going to this school that this school, whatever. And so we had some controversy with that because the South Carolina uh, publisher put in a pick that he was going to go to South Carolina and all of our people on Gene's page got upset. And then Gene puts a crystal ball pick in for Mississippi State and all the South Carolina people get upset. And here's what that tells me, is that neither side knows what's going to happen. I've said that on the message board all week. They don't know and we don't know because the kid doesn't know. He took visits to Oregon and now South Carolina this week. And uh, and then some people say, well, you guys didn't know. Yeah, we only reported it two weeks ago that he was going to be visiting those schools soon. And so everybody needs to take a deep breath here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Mississippi State's going to get Tanner Bailey. I will tell you that State's in much better shape than people are willing to give State credit for. You go ahead and write that down right now. I won't be the least bit surprised if he picks Mississippi State. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he won't pick South Carolina, but I'm going to tell you this. He is in – he or his father are in daily contact with Mississippi State. So, we get to the next commitment thing. You know, with Steve, who's the next commitment? Well, here are some guys that I feel really good about being Bulldogs uh, here in the next several weeks. Khalid Moore, Sam Linebacker, prospect from Popperville. I absolutely love his game. He reminds me a little bit of John Lewis. I think John Lewis is a little bit more explosive – but Khalid Moore is a is a guy that is a thumper. He is a real punisher. This is a guy, when, when he hits you, he hits you with bad intentions. From a blue-collar town down there in Popperville, Mississippi, this is a kid that kind of fits culturally with Mississippi State. I really like his game. I, I like the fit and the scheme. I know that Matt Brock and Zach Garnett have really recruited him hard. I believe there is a really good chance that he commits here in the next few weeks. I really do. Carter Edwards from uh, Press Christian, offensive lineman down there, one of the top offensive line prospects in the state of Mississippi. And State's got two offensive line prospects already committed in Jacarius Clayton and now Jackson Cannon out of Georgia. And so you got room for three more. You get Carter Edwards, and now all of a sudden you got two spots left. And you can really kind of create some urgency when you talk to guys like Bryson Hurst of Gaucher. And State is back into a good spot with him. It's going to be State almost Florida State for a while, but uh, you know State has done a good job with him. And I think you get three guys in and say, listen, you're our top guy, but we got to, we got to know something here pretty soon. I think that gives you the ability to recruit with some urgency. But I think Carter Edwards, once he goes and visits Colorado, and I believe that that visit's taking place this weekend, then he's kind of come back and uh, meet with your, your friends in the engineering department at Mississippi State and then sit down with the family and make a decision. Mississippi State is the leader right now. We just kind of, kind of keep doing what we're doing, kind of hold the road there and we'll be fine. Then there's Trent Singleton, defensive back from Raymond, Mississippi. plays quarterback, really an athlete. Uh, I think he will eventually grow into a safety. I think you start him at corner and kind of see how things develop. But the way State basically plays their best five defensive backs, uh, he would certainly have the opportunity to come in and work hard and, and in a year or two be one of the top five guys. So if I had to pick the next commitment, I'll tell you it's one of those three kids from Mississippi. Khalid Morris, Carter Edwards – and then Trent Singleton. And, and here's the rub and all that. I expect all three of those guys to commit to Mississippi State sooner rather than later. So there's your recruiting update. If you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com. Go there today and order yourself personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark, Villains, and Alpha Dogs. A lot of people said, you know what, Steve, I need to get the book. Well, there's, there's no time like the present. And if you order today, there's a good chance that uh, they'll have me sign up over the weekend and get it shipped out to you on Monday. Uh, so you'll have it right away so if you just want a signed copy or a regular copy you can get that without my involvement i've already signed uh you know a few thousand books already and so if you want something personalized i'll put whatever you want there a lot of people say you know what steve i'd like to get this from my dad he's a big bulldog fan well let's put a personal note in there you know for me i'm happy to do it there's no additional charge for that again go to alphadogsbook.com, and if you're looking for stark villains gear and you should be I love the Stark Villains gear. I absolutely do. I love the way that cover came out, and I love all that gear. Go to StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirt and hoodies, and you can rep the brand wherever you go and let everybody know where you stand. You can get the Stark Villain stuff in maroon and white, black and white, or uh, any number of the school colors in the surrounding areas. Well, I did it again. I went an hour and 20 minutes, and so I guess you guys are getting used to that. I can't promise you that all the time. Uh, but enjoyed today's show. There's been so much more to talk about. Once we get into baseball, we'll probably shorten the show back up just a little bit as basketball ends. But uh, I'm excited about where this thing is headed, and I look forward to you guys being here with us this weekend. It's going to be glorious weather. It's going to be great baseball, and uh, Bulldogs go hopefully go out one of the series for us and uh, stay in the top five. And you never know. What if we sweep and Arkansas loses? How cool would it be to go number one again? Not that you know, early season polls mean a whole lot, but uh, if they're going to have one, we might as well be at the top of it. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.